Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? A little bit of anxiety, Kerb. I'm not sure I am prepared as I should be for this podcast. Say it isn't so. uh, Just want to deliver a good product, you know, week in, week out, or every other weekend and week out, and uh, maybe feeling a little bit of the heat here. I hope it doesn't get to you. But we'll give it a we'll give it a shot, right? How's that? All you can do. Um, Kerb, I would like to start out by sitting back and having you explain to me the Dale Coin Racing team situation. We've got young Mr. Ware, uh, Gro- Mr. Gross Jeans, the erstwhile Mr. Jones, right? Correct. And I'm trying to figure out how all those meld together into a two-car team. Uh, can you explain that to me? And I'm sure there's probably others out there that you know are kind of wondering the same thing. Uh, well, the easy one first would be the uh, Ed Jones car, Sealmaster sponsorship, driven by uh, Ferrucci last year and Bourdais in prior years. Uh, Dale Coyne seems to uh, partner with uh, Jimmy Vassar and James Sullivan. AIM is apparently no longer involved. Now it's simply Dale Coyne with Vassar Sullivan. Ed Jones will drive that car in all the races. There's not anticipated anyway to be any races where he'll be sitting out in favor of somebody else. The 18 car, I believe the number is. So let me um, stop you right there in your okay. tracks. I mean, does Ed Jones have a chance of, like, showing up this year and doing well? And don't give me this. Oh, yeah, I think he's got a shot. You know, I want some real hardcore, hard-hitting analysis, Curb. A very much an open question. Uh, he certainly had his moments um, in his rookie year with Coin. Had a great Indy 500 performance. He was rookie of the year for the season. None of that success translated to his season at Chip Ganassi Racing. Whoever sits in that 10 car just uh, seems to have mysterious troubles left and right. And uh, It is and true, so, right? That is true. I mean, I think to be fair to Ed Jones, Ray Hall struggled in that. Uh, and even more recently, you could, you could argue Rosenquist somewhat struggled in that seat. I think we might be touching on that a little bit later, but yeah, definitely. They were ecstatic to sign him up. They shipped Ed Jones unceremoniously out of the out of the uh, series after his early success that first year. Uh, they were crowing about how they finally had a talented driver in that car, and it was the drivers, not the team, that was the source of the uh, lack of comp- lack of competitive uh, performance out of that car. So uh, went downhill from there. Other than that one brief shining moment at Road America last season. It'll be interesting to see how Jones does outside of that car. It'll be interesting to see how Rosenquist does this year outside of that car. Agreed. I apologize. I, I tromped all over you there. So moving on that, <laughs> explain the other car to me. The other coin car this year will be the number 51. It run in conjunction with Rick Ware uh, Racing. That'll be where Romain Grosjean will uh, race all the road and street courses. Um, and he's leaving open the possibility to run at Gateway in August uh, on a you know short oval that he thinks speed should be lower and is not as scary to him and not as scary to his family. And so he's leaving open the possibility of attempting that race at Gateway. But he's not going to race super speedways this year. 
So the two races at Texas at the beginning of May, and of course the 500, the you know the driver for those races at this point has not been named. Somewhere in there, Cody Ware, Rick Ware's son, is supposedly going to race a handful of races, and uh, supposedly again his focus is more on road and street courses than it is on ovals, uh, because apparently he fancies himself a uh, road course capable driver. How do you do on Saturday? Uh, he raced in the Xfinity race at Daytona last Saturday, placed, I think, 25th. Um, I have no idea. So let me get this straight. Rome wasn't built in a day, and, you know, one result does not uh, – one swallow doesn't make a spring and every other, you know, saying I can throw in there. Um, an Xfinity driver, which isn't even the top tier of, of uh, tin tops, uh, what, thinks he's – going to be uh, the wonder kind in, in IndyCar racing? Supposedly, somebody speculated that he thought that racing road courses in an IndyCar or street courses in an IndyCar uh, might help him hone his road and street course racing skills for NASCAR. He did test at Sebring a couple of weeks ago. Supposedly, his times were equal to or slightly better than Jimmy Johnson's times, which, uh, <laughs> well, good for... You know, first time out in the car, he certainly has put hadn't put as much time and effort into it as Johnson has the last three or four months. I, I, I think this is all leading in a general direction that I want to talk about. But the question I have is, so is he driving in the 51 car at all, this Cody? That's the mystery. I'll throw one more uh, wild card in there. Um, in, the Indy Star is reporting that James Davison is going to be racing at Indy for the coin where... Um, team. A spokesperson for the coin team would not confirm that, but they did say if it happened, it would not be in the 51 car. It sounds like Davison will be driving in the uh, 52 car at Indy with coin and Rick Ware. So I don't really think that there's a push for Cody Ware to race in the 500. And I don't think IndyCar would be thrilled about him just stepping into IndyCar uh, for his first race at the Texas Motor Speedway either for the, for that race. So uh, I think they must be lining up somebody to run those three races for them that hasn't been named yet. I speculate Santino Ferrucci, possibly Oriol Serbia, but I think somebody that's got experience on an oval with an IndyCar um, has got to be in Vodier, their sights. Perhaps. Christian Vaudier. Um, but if you think about it, if there's only going to be 22 leader circle programs, uh, you know, receiving the million dollars for next year and there's right now 24 listed full-time drivers you know you can't really screw around with uh essentially a double points at texas and double points at indianapolis uh you mess up one or both of those and you're really scrambling to catch up and keep up in the uh in the standings hey, so, oh exactly right so they're gonna have to put a shoe in there that can do it i'd love to see servia back in but i'm not so sure he's gonna be in the frame I'm just not sure how many uh, possibilities there are out there these days. You know, there's not, it's not like the old days where there's 50 or 60 drivers that can come in and try to, you know, put one in there on the last day at Indy qualifying. Yeah, I know. But I mean, you know, there's still Pietro Filipaldi's and all those guys. I mean, there's, they're, they're around. They always seem to come out of the woodwork. There's always more than you think. Curb, I, I, your clarification of the, the coin situation is not going particularly well, no, as best I, I can tell. Because, uh, it, rem- it remains yeah. a mystery. 
Should we have just said that then and moved on? We could have. You could just edit this whole thing out and that's cool if you want to. Uh, might have to. But uh, yeah. I'm glad we led. I'm glad we led with that. But okay, so let's move on. The answer is we don't know yet. So then the question I have for you, Curb, uh, and 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 our listeners is this: Is it healthy for IndyCar to be entertaining? All these guys that are kind of joining IndyCar out of convenience or a whim. And I'm thinking Grosjean. I'm thinking Jimmy Johnson. Guys that, uh, you know, kind of picking and choosing what races they want to do. And, you know, oh, I don't like that. That's too dangerous. And uh, that's not so good for me. And I'll do this and I'll do that. But I don't want to do the other thing. And, oh, yeah, my dad, I'm a NASCAR driver. And that's my main focus. But, you know, my dad, you know, he's willing to put some money up. So I might go drive an Indy car for a couple of races just because I think it'd be fun. Is it healthy for the series to have these type of drivers participating in, in the series? All I hear is how wonderful it is to have Jimmy Johnson and how wonderful it is to have Gross Gene. But I think there's a downside to this, too. If you start just having a league of nothing but people just kind of picking and choosing what races they're going to race in. I just think this is a unique year. It's not often you're going to get somebody like Jimmy Johnson that wants to give it a go. And I think it's, you know, more a lot more positive than negative in Jimmy Johnson's case. Reports are that Gross Gene was planning on doing the full season before his accident. You know, uh, an extraordinary circumstance, too. So, By um, the way, it's something we called months ago. Well, we did. Right, yeah. after the, right after the wreck, we said that's exactly what's going to happen. Sure. You know, I, I just I don't think it's a huge trend so far, and I don't think it's something to worry about. Well, I'm starting to get irked by the whole thing, and I, and I I'm I'm throwing up the uh, the flag of caution here. You know, just bringing these guys in that have some kind of name or whatever, uh, and thinking it's great for the series when they're kind of picking and choosing, I think in some ways diminishes the series, and I'm not so sure it should be overly encouraged. Well, the good news is that the series didn't have to. Uh, the good news is that commercially they were able to put it together on their own without asking the series for anything as far as we, I, I don't know if it's fair to call it a lark. By all accounts, Jimmy Johnson's working very hard at this. I might trying to be, I might try real hard and do all the training I can to, to run a four minute mile, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, again, I don't have anything against Jimmy Johnson, I don't, but I, I don't, it's no free lunch for the, for the series. I'll say two things. One, you're being I'm annoyingly sure. positive. I'm sure he's going to look forward to the weekends at uh, Cody where it does show up to run in the street and road courses. Cause that'll give some somebody to to dust uh, on the track. And second, he's made a two-year commitment. I think he knows. I don't think he's making any bold claims for the first year. That the first year is going to be very difficult for him, and and hopefully uh, he can come back a second year tracks he's familiar with he's gotten used to all the intricacies of high downforce cars and uh, hopefully can be a little bit closer to the pack uh, in year number two curb uh, let's move on to another uh, very negative topic okay <laughs> because I'm, I'm feeling a bit that way tonight i have been paying a little bit more attention to sports cars as of late okay 
Get a big slurp there, Curb? Just a sip. Thank you. Okay. I have been paying a bit more attention to the world of sports cars as of late. And kind of how the, you know, the, the machinations of how it all works and, and all these kind of things. And then I watched... I watched on a replay the last two laps of the Daytona 500 and then a replay of the wreck that was uh, very early in the race. Lap 14. I come away from spending a little bit more time in normal on, on both of these things and saying NASCAR racing is stupid. Sports car racing, I would argue, maybe is even more stupid and and kind of somewhat for the same reasons and then somewhat for different reasons. The same reasons being that like in sports cars, it's just kind of a given that if one of the manufacturers is dominating, um, they basically, you know, burden them up with the uh, uh, balance of performance and then. Give give the advantage to another manufacturer so they can win a few, and they do this on purpose just so all the manufacturers stay somewhat engaged, right? Right. Because if 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 the manufacturers can't win, then they just they t- they 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 go home, right? Right. Sure. And, and you know they're not interested in improving themselves. They just they just want some wins that they can say they had. And then, so I'm like, if you're watching this, and if you're watching sports car racing and have intimate knowledge of this, like, how can you get excited about that? And then, moving on to NASCAR, you watch, how many laps is a 500? 200 laps. So it's, is it two and a half mile over at Daytona? See, I don't even know that. It is, yeah. Okay. So it's 200 laps, and it, it goes on forever because those cars are so damn slow. When they have stages and and Ugh, planned yeah, yellow flags and right and all that kind of stuff, but the thing lasts forever. The only two, and then you watch those last two laps, and especially like the new car, its configuration, it's like you got to get bumped in the ass from the guy behind you, and then right. he's got to he's got to bump you up and push you around the other guy. The other guy's basically a sitting duck. You know, he's just waiting for it all to end. You know, he can't. He doesn't want to be leading the last two laps because he's just waiting for it all to end. You sat through those hours and hours, right, to get to the last two laps. You know, it's almost like an NBA game. It's like, why even bother to watch to the last five minutes? I'm asking. I'm imploring the people uh, who listen to this podcast and out and elsewhere. If you're a fan of NASCAR and you're a fan of sports cars, just stop. It's stupid. And go watch IndyCar. Is that Curb? it? Is that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, hey, look, I'm no fan of NASCAR. Uh, they're mildly entertaining on a road course, a real road course, not the uh, Daytona road course. The thing about the Daytona 500, and I think when they run at Talladega, you know, those races are restrictor plate races, and they don't represent um, the product that they put out there. The other 530 races during the season, whatever, how many races they have. Now, having said that, I'm not sure those races are that more, much more entertaining either, but they don't involve all the bump drafting and all the pack racing and, and so on and so forth. You think the Daytona 500 takes forever. The damned uh, Brickyard 400, which they're not running this year. That's the longest damn race you ever watched in your life. Um, I can't defend NASCAR. Uh, like I said, mildly entertaining on 
you know, out there at Sonoma or at Watkins Glen and tracks like that. But uh, beyond that, uh, I can't recommend it. Uh, sports car racing, I don't know if it's uh, as bad as you say. Uh, but it's the mystery, as bad as I say. The mystery to me has always been, you know, if, Indy, if IndyCar has so much trouble getting more teams and more car owners and more sponsors, how the hell do all these cars race in, uh, in IMSA? Yeah, because so, the budget's about the same at the top level. Seems like it. And that's the other thing. From a factory standpoint, now I saw Mazda's leaving uh, the DPI. And, I, you know, I look at those cars and I'm like, how do you even – I mean, the cars all look alike. How do you even tell it's a Mazda? You can't. I mean, how does that help Mazda in any way? Well, I mean, now you're killing your argument to go watch IndyCar because you could say the same thing for Honda. No, no, I, I, I – Granted, you're right. Uh, you could say the same thing, but to me, at least at the you know in like a GTD category or something in IMSA, uh, you can you can oh that's a Porsche, that's a BMW, right? Um, right. It looks something, but once you get up to that you know prototype or DPI, it's like it just it looks nothing like the the manufacturer. I, I just don't know. From a from their standpoint, how that's helping them out, and uh, apparently Mazda's come to the conclusion it isn't, and they're better off, you know, supporting things like the Spec Miata series or the the MX-5 uh, World Cup series because, you know, at least that's a product they make and they sell to the average consumer, so people recognize it when they see it going around the track. Well, I mean, Mazda's seemingly struck gold with their uh, Miata race cars and. Um and so they've been trending this way for a while, right? They they got out of the road to Indy involvement um, in favor of the Miatas, and now they're getting out of uh, IMSA in favor of the Miatas, and probably a much more cost-effective road for them to take, I would think. Uh, and I look, I I can see arguments for it, like Cadillac, for example. You know, they're trying to revive the brand, they're trying to make it, give it a bit more of a uh, racy image and trying to make cars that are more like BMWs and more like, you know, uh, you know, track performance oriented, um, sedans and so forth. So I, I, I can get it in certain situations, but man, a lot of them, I, I just can't. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think Mazda's in that category though. Right. I mean, that's no, I don't think so. What they're doing. And I would argue Acura's not either. So, you know, it seems to me like that top level of IMSA, you know, IndyCar always worries about having manufacturers. How do they keep those guys, you know? They have to have their motivations, but let's face it. <clears throat> you, uh, outside of Mazda, which is leaving, it's Acura, which is Honda, and it's uh, Cadillac, which is Chevy. Mm-hmm. So it's really not all that different. I'm still going back to my main point, which is, at least at the top level, it just seems so stupid to me. Yeah, Mazda, you've been winning too much. We're going to give it to Acura now. Oh, Acura, you've been winning too much. We're going to give it to Cadillac. So how could you possibly sit there and watch another race knowing that that's the case? Well, you hope that your favorite driver uh, sandbags effectively in practice and qualifying and uh, gets a favorable BOP uh, ruling so he can dust the competition. Yeah, which is another aspect of sports car racing. It's just mind-numbingly stupid. That's exactly what happens. They sandbag the performance of the car so it looks like, you know, it's not quite there. So they get a more favorable BOP rate. It's anyways, I know that there's fans of sports cars out there and I'm sure they have their reasons. But um, 
I don't think I, even when I tried, I don't think I can become one of them. Okay. How do you feel about the lower level classes, the, where the Porsches and the BMWs that you referred to earlier, there's plentiful cars and plentiful teams and drivers. How do you feel about those classes? Uh, I think that's, I think it's a, it's an easier argument and better. Yes. So that's worthwhile entertainment. I think so. Yeah. Curb, uh, he sent me kind of an interesting uh, little blurb the other day. It was attributed to a IndyCar insider. Let's put it that way, right? And some comments he made about uh, the recent moves and drivers of Aerosmith McLaren, uh, Aero McLaren, Smith Peterson. That is a mouthful. Very good. There you go. But it was such an interesting comment, I thought, because I, I thought it summed up very well the way I felt for all these times, but just hadn't been able to kind of put it into words. It says, uh, they're talking about, you know, Sam Schmidt and how he's had to make some pretty tough decisions about drivers, which, you know, let's face it, Aero McLaren has been somewhat, you know, they, they booted Hinch and then, uh, <laughs> ask, ask you. Yeah. I, I didn't want to say it cause I didn't want to get into it. Um, the ask you aspect of this, you know, and, and so, you know, they take a lot of heat for this, but this was a really interesting comment from the, you know, insider, which was Sam's very tough and he understands racing. He says, we all know there's only four or five drivers in IndyCar who can win races you aren't supposed to win by being super fast and aggressive. And then the weekends where you give them a great car, they're gone. That's, and he names them, which is what I think is cool. That's Power, Dixon, Newgarden, maybe Rossi, and maybe Bourdais on his best days. And then he goes on to mention uh, joining that list soon or, or maybe there now as a Pato Award and Colton Herta. That would be kind of the same list I have, right? And almost exact. Right. And, and uh, it is an interesting comment. It's like the guy's got a business to run. He's making tough decisions. He, you know, this is what he needed to do. Whether it was Sam or whether it was uh... – it could have been Arrow. I think Arrow was pushing, I think, the Hinchcliffe decision in particular after uh, Wickens came in and showed him up. And then who knows what influence Zach Brown and McLaren have had in the decision-making too. But uh, give him credit, I guess, for making cold-blooded analytical decisions. The flip side is that uh, they signed up Pato Award, and I'm sure they hope they've got him racing for them for a long time. You know, the, the quote that you just read off was from a rival team owner. So apparently... The owners involved in AMSP uh, must think more highly of Felix Rosenquist than perhaps that rival team owner does. So th- that brings up the next question, Curb. Who is the rival team owner that said <laughs> it? I, I didn't uh, noodle on that before the show. But, well, uh, let's noodle on it. We got time to noodle here. Probably not Penske. Okay, agreed. Not Bobby Rahal. Because he would have said Graham was one of those five, <laughs> right? So he's out. Yeah. Not Ganassi because there's some uh, less than complimentary things said about Erickson here. I'm not Andretti. Not, not Andretti because he just picked up Hinch. And, um, and he and there's less. Uh, you know, the quote is Hinchcliffe picked years ago, peaked years ago. So that's got you down to Carpenter, Coin, Shank, Foyt, and Carlin. Boyd's not that well spoken. Um, Carlin's not 
I'm going to say it's Carlin or Coin, and my money is on Coin. Carlin or Coin, I agree with. Uh, who is the and Shank? Yeah, I. Uh, well, we've got it narrowed down to three. That's pretty good. My money is on Coin, and you can tell me what you think. I'm, I'm going to say Coin. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. We don't, uh, just to be clear, we don't have any inside information on that, but I think deductive reasoning leads you in that direction. And I also think we should uh, credit David Malsher at motorsport.com. That's the source of our article here. Curb, um, I feel uh, compelled to end the podcast. With, I don't think we can end it without addressing a very pressing issue. All right. And that would be Aaron Rodgers' pending engagement. Well, I think the engagement's here. It's uh, the wedding that's impending, your marriage that's impending. Thank you uh, for the correction. Yes. So Danica must be shattered at this point. And not only did he, like, what? I mean, uh, is it is it too strong to say he cheated on her? Uh, let's just say that he dumped her and rebounded very quickly. He, fa- he found a new girlfriend almost instantly. And one that supposedly was introduced to him by Danica. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is even better. And now uh, it couldn't even be a year, I would think, or right. It has to be right on a year. They're engaged. Wasn't that a golf tournament over the summer, like in July? I think that happened, and uh, so you know, here we are. Not not it's to rub not, salt in the wound, but <laughs> but yeah, right. Eight months. Very ago. quick, very quick. And Danica, you know, uh, just can't seem to land uh, land the keeper. Can the racing community uh, recover from this dark cloud that just seems to hang over her? I think the racing community will be just fine. Danica will be just fine, and in my opinion, she dodged a bullet. So, um, so good for her. Um, don't, I, I've, I've read uh, positive quotes that she's uh, moved on and and not bothered by this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Curb, join me as a citizen of the real world. Can that even possibly be true? I've listened to a, a recent podcast of hers <laughs> where she, uh, you know, explains how she's. Yeah. Everything's Look, great. Looking, looking inward and, and yeah. maximizing her inner self. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, uh, actually made me stronger. It's a really good, it's in a really good place these days. Uh, so yeah, that dude's a prima donna and uh, she'll be just fine. Yeah. And Jimmy Johnson's going to win the championship. Well, if you're going to say Danica's not bothered by this announcement, uh, you can pretty much say anything. Uh, Kerb, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you have a good week and we'll talk to you soon.